So excited about this series. My house will be good last week, huh? It's really good. And uh, we're creating an atmosphere. We're, we're declaring that every place we go, we have the power, we have the authority to create an atmosphere that reflects the kingdom of heaven. And, uh, and this is our mandate. And so uh, we're kind of going after that. And um, I just want to say, as you're turning to Luke chapter 4, that um, every day you wake up is a new day. His mercies are new every morning. And, and with that new day comes new choices. And, and we're going to talk about some of the, the biggest choices that we have. And it's not what you're going to wear or what you're going to eat or who you're going to hang out with. But some of those biggest choices come with this conflict that's going on on the inside. And the Bible talks about it. We're going to read about it in a minute. Talking about this flesh and spirit and, and there's a conflict going on. And so every day you're going to walk in the spirit or you're going to walk in the flesh. Now, that may seem, uh, you know, a little churchy and ethereal, but we're going to break it down a little bit because those choices are, are, are um, largely dictating the kind of atmosphere that we create in our life, that we carry on the inside, that we bring to our home and our workplace uh, and all those things. Um, and so last week, we looked at Jesus uh, going to the temple and, and, and creating an atmosphere, right? He, he looked at the atmosphere and went, now this doesn't re- represent what, what my father had intended. And, and I just have a question. Anybody since last week, anybody had that in mind when you went into an atmosphere? Yeah. Went into your home, into a workplace, wherever you're at, like, this feels good. Yeah, there's peace here and there's joy or like, no, this is not what, this is not what uh, would reflect God's kingdom. And so maybe, just maybe I can do something about that. Anybody with me? Isn't it nice to feel like you're, you're not powerless? Being powerless is like losing your keys or your wallet or your phone or all three, right? You're just, you just feel naked. You're just like, what am I going to do? I, when you lose your phone, you're like, I can't even get home. I don't know anyone's phone number memorized, right? I'm lost. And, and, and that feeling of powerless. But, but God's called us to, to walk in authority, to never feel like we're powerless. Whether you lose your phone or not, um, we have the power to, to, ha- to carry that. And so we're going to look at Jesus again in Luke chapter. Uh, it, the chapter is Luke chapter 4, but we're actually going to start in chapter 3 at the end, and we're going to look at this picture of Jesus and how he progresses through three separate events in his life in a short period of time, and they're profound in the way that the Holy Spirit um, impacts Jesus and therefore how he impacts the world around him. So we're going to start. It says, it came to pass Jesus also was baptized. This is water baptized. While he Prayed. The heavens opened and the Holy Spirit descended in bodily form like a dove upon him. And a voice came from heaven which said, You are my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. Uh, I think there's a picture. So this is the Jordan River where Jesus was baptized. I know it doesn't look like much because it isn't right now. Back in Jesus' day, um, it was probably three times that size. But nevertheless, this is... The border of Israel and Jordan on the right side where that little cabana looks is the actual nation of Jordan, um, which represents the desert where the children of Israel wandered. And then on this side is Israel, and that's where John the Baptist 
um, would often baptize people, and that's where they believed Jesus was baptized. That's actually the place where the children of Israel crossed the Jordan, which again, obviously doesn't look epic right now, but it was much bigger and much more raging uh, than that when they crossed. But uh, the next picture actually gives you a picture of the desert where the children of Israel wandered, um, because that's the uh, nation of, of Jordan, and uh, they were kind of wandering around there and, and Egypt and all that kind of stuff. And then they came right here. They crossed the Jordan and then they went straight up the hill to Jericho uh, and kind of conquered. And so it really doesn't have anything to do with my message. But I like the pictures and hopefully it gives you some context for like what's going on here is that Jesus gets baptized here. And so then next, what, what happens next is immediately in chapter four, then says, then after this epic moment, Jesus being filled with the Holy Spirit, returned from the Jordan and was led by the Spirit, notice the influence of the Spirit, into the wilderness and being tempted there for 40 days by the devil. We're going to skip the ins and outs of what took place in the desert, although it's a super powerful passage, but we're going to talk about it. And then we're going to skip to after he was those 40 days, Jesus returned in the power of the Spirit. And as his custom, went to the synagogue on the Sabbath day and stood up to read. And then this is the famous Jesus reading Isaiah 61 in the scroll. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me. He has anointed me to, to, to preach the good news to the poor, right? That whole thing. And then just like has a, a mic drop moment and everyone's like, ah. Oh. This is crazy. They had been waiting for 400 years for this prophecy. And Jesus is like, it's just been fulfilled in your hearing. And he sits down. So Jesus started with baptism. He got filled with the Spirit. He's led by the Spirit into the desert and, 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 and wars with the enemy for, for 40 days. And then goes straight to the synagogue and this is what a synagogue back then would look like. This is total mock-up. This is not actually, but this is the same size and scope of what a synagogue would be uh, in a village. And it would be a conversation. It's very interesting. Somebody would stand and, and read. And then, as you can see, the whole surrounding is all seats. And they would all have a conversation about what was just spoken about. And so you can imagine Jesus um, reciting or reading Isaiah 61 as he declares the spirit of the Lord has come and he's come to set the captives free. Father God, I thank you for today. I thank you for the, the atmosphere that's already shifting in our soul, the atmosphere that's shifting everywhere we go because you're with us. Holy Spirit, you didn't just come to lead Jesus, but the Bible says, Jesus said, it's to our advantage that he goes away because the Spirit of God comes and he rests upon us and in us and leads and guides us every day with authority and power. And so God, I pray that you would open up our eyes once again to see you. In Jesus' name, amen. This is such a great picture for us um, because healthy atmosphere on the outside always starts with a healthy person on the inside. It's not enough to just know a lot of Christian stuff. It's not enough to know a lot of Christian scriptures and to go through the motions. If something's not happening on the inside, if you're not healthy on the inside, then you're not going to bring anything healthy on the outside, which is great marriage advice. 
Two broken people don't make one whole person. And everyone said, amen. If it's not happening on the inside, it's not going to happen on the outside. Which is why I always counsel fountain, you know, people that are looking to get married or marriage couples that you don't look at the other person to, to fix you on the inside, to meet your needs on the inside. Because we have to come before Jesus and be healthy. And then when we come together, it's beautiful. Right, and so um, and so here we are, and we're we're talking about wanting to create a healthy atmosphere, and I really want to focus on on the role the Holy Spirit has and help helping us be healthy on the inside and make choices that repre- represent the Spirit leading us versus the flesh leading us. Uh, the role of the Holy Spirit and how He empowers us to shape what my house will be. My house will be fill in the blank. And today, my house starts with me. This is my house and my house will be. And I love that declaration. And I just want to keep saying it for a few minutes because I think it's important that you understand that you and I have the power to decide. My house will be. If you don't decide, something else or somebody else will decide for you. And then you're going to play the victim and point the finger at that circumstance or those people that created something that you don't like. And what I would say to you is, take the power back. My house will be, and you fill in the blank. So we're going to talk about how to do this. Galatians chapter um, 5 describes this battle between the flesh and the spirit. And as I said, we wake up every day with a choice. And, 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 and I want to emphasize this everyday thing. This is not a weekly thing. You don't come to church and get your, your weekly fix. This is a daily thing. Unless somehow you don't have emotions and you don't have thoughts daily. If those just happen weekly for you, then this works weekly. But if you have thoughts and emotions daily, then it's important that you do this daily. Okay? We have a choice every day in this battle between the flesh and the spirit for the atmosphere of your soul. My house, my soul will be. And so Galatians chapter 5 verse 17 says this, the spirit gives us desires that are opposite of what the sinful nature desires. I love this. These two forces are constantly fighting each other, and your choices will never be free from this conflict. And that kind of sounds like a bummer, but it's just sort of nice to know, right? It's just like this, you don't graduate from this. You don't, when you become spiritual and when you, you know, reach a certain point in your religiosity, then somehow this goes away. It never goes away. And so just know that there is a conflict. And it's not even necessarily the devil. It's not even necessarily the demonic. It's you. Turn to your neighbor and say, you're actually the problem. <laughs> I saw some of you were like, no, I'm not doing that. I'm not doing that. You, on the inside, unfortunately, have a flesh, have a capacity to like make bad decisions and think wrong things and go the wrong way. And like, hello, I, that's not new to you. It's important to recognize and to accept. And, and, the, and the Bible describes it, describes it as a battle between your spirit, which comes inside of you when you get saved, 
When you get saved, the Spirit of God makes you alive. You're a spirit man. And, and your flesh, and these two are battling for what? What are they battling for? Well, they're battling for your house, your soul, your, your, your will, your mind, and your emotions. These three things. That's who you are. That's what's eternal. That's what's being saved, being justified, justification, be, becoming more like Christ. That's the whole deal. Your spirit always wakes up and wants to love Jesus, wants to do the right thing, wants to fulfill all of your commitments, wants to get up early, wants to be nice to others, right? That sounds like you all the time, right? Always disciplined, never has a hard time getting up early to spend time with Jesus. Come on! And then, and then your flesh, the part of you that is never getting saved, is never going to be like Christ. It's just your, the Bible describes it as your old man. And the Bible says, put off that old man. You're not putting off the devil. It's not the devil in your ear all the time. It's just like you have a part of you that's just dead. And, and, and Christianity is being reborn to the new man and then constantly saying, no, I'm not that old person anymore. I don't think like that. I don't feel like that. I don't have those desires anymore because I'm new. But it doesn't mean that that influence isn't still there. It's called the flesh. And they are battling for the, the, the battleground is your soul. Your, your will, mind, and emotions. So your desires, your thoughts, and your emotions. All three of these things are up for grabs every day. You guys are like, this is, this is filling in so many gaps for me. You ever wake up and you're just, you're just like off? And then you ever wake up and you're like, dude, today's going to be a good day. Your will, your mind, and your emotions. Now, there's a lot of factors there. Sometimes the enemy is like actually attacking. Sometimes there's just like circumstances going on in your life. And then sometimes you just slept on the wrong side of the bed. And nevertheless, those are all things that are coming in and affecting your house, who you are, the atmosphere of your life. And most of us, if we're honest, we just kind of go with it. It's like, hey, Today's going to be a good day. Or, hey, brace yourself, you know, to the people around us because today's going to be a bummer. I'm going to be a bummer, so just brace yourself, right? And we just kind of roll with whatever is, is. And, and I'm here to tell you, you're not that powerless. You're not that powerless. Um, and so we're going to talk about our will, mind, and emotions, and we're going to look at it in the life of Jesus. And so the first one is emotions. Um, the Holy Spirit brings the delight of heaven. How many know our feelings lie to us? Uh, left unchecked, they can drive us into a ditch at any moment. Yay! Now, when I was um, young and very early on in our marriage, I wasn't as intelligent as I am today. And I, I fell into some pitfalls in regards to our communication. Um, and so I'm going to tell you something that you're, re like, you're really going to gasp at because uh, you'd think I'd be smarter than that. But this was 18 years ago in our first year of marriage, and I just wasn't very smart. So that, and I didn't have any sisters, okay? So just bear with me. So first year of marriage, Heather slips into one of her normal monthly cycles. 
And, and, and then the, and the byproduct of that was she was a little moody. Now, I felt like it was, it was a good time to have a conversation and, and kind of just set, set the tone, right? Bring some, some wisdom and some leadership into this moment. So I say, Heather, you know you can control those emotions, right? I'm not exaggerating. I actually said that. <laughs> That conversation didn't go as I had thought about it in my mind. Let's just say that. <laughs> Nevertheless, emotions play a huge part in our life. Now, there's all kinds of reasons why we think things and why we have certain emotions, and some of them are chemical, right? So um, I just want to say that off the bat, that this is not a one you know, one size fits all band-aid you can put on everything. Um, I know really, really awesome people who, who take medication to, to, to balance out some of the things going on in their life. Um, and, and so if, if that's who you are and you've done your due diligence, please, um, I'm not saying that, 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 that that's not healthy. That being said, by and large, most of us live with our emotional body and life kind of all over the place with a variety of different reasons of what affect us. And I want to tell you, you can take that power back. Emotions are, are, are um, healthy. They're God-given. And, and, and the solution is to not numb our emotions. In fact, it's one of the most unhealthy things you can do because you can't selectively numb. I learned that the hard way. You can't selectively numb emotions. And so when you numb and when you go to things to numb emotions, then you numb everything and then you miss out on the life God has for you. And so Jesus models, he went to the cross and because the joy set before him endured the cross. There's these extreme emotions of sorrow and joy that he modeled and experienced for us because he wasn't somebody that numbed his emotions. He learned how to let the Spirit of God lead his emotions. A huge difference. So how do I feel? How do I feel correctly? How do I feel correctly? If the answer isn't just, well, let's just create a, 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 a plumb line, a standard, and we just don't have emotions, and I'll just numb everything. If the answer's not that, please don't do that. The answer is have emotions, but let the Spirit of God lead your emotions instead of your flesh or whatever the heck's going on in your life so you're not a basket case or an emotional wreck or just this, and I'm talking to the guys now, or just this numb existence. You know what I'm talking about. Don't, don't live with this, you know what, I can't handle this, so I'm just going to do this. And I'm going to include things in my life so that I can create that numbing effect. And that is, that is void of the life of God. And so God's called us to have emotions. Notice the first thing that happens when the Holy Spirit comes upon Jesus. So Jesus gets baptized in the water. He comes out of the water. The Holy Spirit comes on him. Again, we're asking the Holy Spirit to lead us in our emotions. The very first thing that happens with Jesus when he comes out of the water and the Holy Spirit comes on him is a voice comes out of heaven saying, you're my son and I love you. Now realize 
But Jesus has not done anything up to this point. He hasn't done a single miracle. This is the very beginning. No one even knows who he is. He hasn't done a miracle. He hasn't led anything. He hasn't built anything. He has been a nobody. He goes to get baptized to start his ministry. The Holy Spirit comes, and instantly his father says, I love you. And you didn't earn it. You didn't do anything. I love you. And I think that it's so important for us in our emotions to start with delight. Because I can promise you that your emotions, most of the time when they lie to you, they're going to tell you that you're not worthy. Now, listen, yes, that's a thought, but I'm telling you it's an emotion. Not feeling worthy is more of an emotion than it's a thought. It's a feeling of being. In fact, shame is defined as not being worthy. Guilt is I'm sorry for what I did. Shame is I'm sorry for who I am. I feel unworthy. And what we see with Jesus when we let the Spirit of God lead our emotions every day when we wake up, we start with, I'm loved. I'm enough. I don't have to work to gain people's approval, to gain God's approval. Today, as I start this day, before I do anything, I'm enough. Oh, come on, that's good news. I wrote this down. Um, delight should be a feeling, not a theology. Delight should be a, an emotion, not a theology. God delighting you, God loving you, shouldn't be just a theology. Well, I know God, Jesus loves me. Yes, I know Jesus loves me. Yes, right? I, I get that. I learned that in Sunday school. Well, that's great. But if you're not waking up tomorrow morning and feeling that, if that's not driving your emotions, I promise you something else is. And that something else is not from heaven. Because if you're tapping into the Spirit of God, if you're tapping into heaven, then that's the first thing you're going to hear. Good morning, sunshine. I love you. I'm for you today. Today's going to be a good day. Are you with me? This is the only true pathway to peace and joy. Peace and joy are emotions. We want those. We want peace and joy. We want peace and joy regardless of what happens in our life. Whether we go to the highs and the lows, man, my house will be a place of peace and joy. I promise you that will not happen if it doesn't start with the delight of heaven. Next one is um, our thoughts. So we're, we're battling our will, mind, and emotions. The, the first one was thoughts or emotions. Second one is our mind, our thoughts. The Holy Spirit reminds us of the truth. So Jesus goes from this place where the Holy Spirit comes. The Holy Spirit comes on him. He hears the delight from heaven, which resets his emotions. And then he gets driven to the desert by the Holy Spirit. Again, this whole journey is the Holy Spirit. And that's what I want you to understand is that the Holy Spirit, first thing you wake up, is available to help reset or realign your life. Spirit, you're leading. You're going to lead my emotions today. Second is that you're going to lead my mind. We have a crazy amount of thoughts every day, like 40,000. Most of them, a lot of them are negative and a lot of them are repeats. And, 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 and women, you have way more thoughts than we do and probably better thoughts. Um, we probably have a lot more repeats, right? Um, but, 
But, but the Holy Spirit wants to help reset our mind. So we see Jesus and he goes into the desert and he has this battle. And again, we've talked about the battle of the mind. We understand that. We've heard that the, the, mind, the, the battle of this mind and our thoughts. So Jesus goes into the battle and notice the enemy. He's trying to trick Jesus. Notice how sly he is. The enemy uses scripture. The enemy uses scripture to, to, to try to defeat Jesus. Um, so then he brought, the enemy brought Jesus to Jerusalem, set him on this pinnacle of a temp, over the temple and said to him, if you're the son of God, throw yourself down from here. Notice he says, if you're the son of God, right, attacking his identity. Oh, seriously? Like you're, you think you're, you're good enough to, to really do what God's called you to do? Oh, really? Like you're, you think you're worthy? Really? You think that like, you belong? You think people really like, like you? All those attacking as identity. If you're the son of God, then, then prove it and says, if you're the son of God, throw yourself down from here. Prove it. And then this is the devil quoting scripture. He shall give his angels charge over you to keep you. And second scripture, the devil quotes, in their hands, they shall bear you up lest you dash your foot against the stone. What's up, Jesus? So this is scripture. I'm showing you how you should be able to do this and give in to what I'm saying. The enemy is tricky. And I think that's the bottom line. And you know that. This battle is not just like simple, basic thoughts, but he's coming at you all the time and trying to get you Spun out, right? Not just in your emotions, but like how you think, how you believe about yourself, what you think about God and your circumstances. And Ephesians chapter four, verse 23 and 24 says this, let the spirit renew your thoughts and attitudes, put on your new nature created to be like God in true righteousness. And another scripture says, my thoughts are not your thoughts. My ways are not your ways. As high as the heavens are above the earth, so much higher are my thoughts than yours. And I'll tell you, it's never been easier to walk what I would call, what the Bible calls carnally minded. And this is something that I think you should think, think about all the time. When you're in a conversation with your spouse, when you're thinking about business, when you're making decisions, when you're just processing life, processing how somebody treated you, all these things, I want you to ask yourself, are these, are these higher thoughts than just your normal earthly person? Because, because we, are, we have access to think at a higher level where God thinks. And it's incredible and it elevates the whole situation. Remember when Jesus came to Peter uh, and, and, and they were like, you know, Jesus is like, oh, I'm going to have to, I have to die, right? For the sins of the world. Oh, bummer, right? But it's going to have to happen. And Peter goes, no, that's never going to happen. I will not let you do that, Jesus. No, not on my watch, right? And he was serious because then, you know, later on in the story, he got on a sword and like cut somebody's ear off. Peter was serious. I'm not going to let you do that. And he thought he was being good. He thought he was doing what's right. And Jesus says, get behind me. Get behind me. You're not thinking from, from heaven's perspective. You're thinking in the flesh. Remember we said every day, every day we have this opportunity. Today, I'm going to either have emotions that are led by my flesh, which we all know where that goes, or I'm going to have thoughts 
that are going to be led by my flesh or by my spirit. And I do, I do this every day. I do this every day. And if Heather and I pray together, we always pray this way. But, but, but every day, at least for me personally, it's Holy Spirit, you're leading today. And I tell my soul, soul, you're not leading today. Flesh, you're not leading today. Spirit of God, you're leading today. Which means, which means I'm asking for, for the Spirit of God to lead my thoughts and to know the difference. Wouldn't that be nice to know when, when, when God's leading your thoughts and when you're just like kind of being wayward? It would be nice to know. On every decision, we have that capacity. We must invite the Holy Spirit to renew our mind daily. So we land on desires, and I'm going to kind of wrap it all up. So our will, mind, and emotions. This is our will, our desires. The Holy Spirit constantly calls us upward. So the Holy Spirit, he settles our our emotions by saying, I'm with you. I'm for you. So whatever emotion comes, have that as the baseline. You're not struggling. You're not striving for attention and for approval you're secure. That's who your identity is. So let your, your emotions be anchored in your identity. Your thoughts, I've given you a higher plane to think from, a, a, a different way to make decisions. And, and uh, uh, my finances, right? When we sit down and do finances, God, lead my mind, lead our mind as it relates to how we think about our finances, how we think about our friends. And lastly, Um, the Holy Spirit is leading your desires. Now, I hear people all the time talk about how frustrated they are with themselves because they don't have the right desires. Like, oh, I wish I wanted to read my Bible more. And oh, I wish I I had all those desires to like, you know, um, go on a missions trip or serve God. And, And I don't always want to do those things. Anybody with me? I want to tell you something. Our desires are a byproduct. Now, don't get me wrong. There's discipline that's required for anything that's worthwhile, right? I mean, just ask anybody that actually goes to the gym regularly, which isn't me. But Jeff runs, you run, takes discipline. And, you know, initially super hard to get into, and then you get into a rhythm. But nevertheless, there's days where you're like, right, Jeff? There's days when you don't want to do it, but you're like, this is what I do, so I have discipline, so I'm going to do it. So I don't want to discount discipline. But at your core, your desire to serve God, please God, do the things, right, that, that you're called to do are a byproduct. And I want to show you that. Look at Jesus. So Jesus comes into the desert. He has this battle. And don't get me wrong, like, this battle was 40 days and the devil was there for every minute. The, the enemy was whispering in his ear for 40 days. And it was the actual devil. That's intense. I mean, we have a bad week and you feel worn out, right? 40 days is a season. That's a bad season. I remember when we were in Washington, I went through a bad season. It was the hardest season of my life. And... I had like a couple seasons after that that I was recouping from the bad season. And I remember talking about it. I remember going like, oh my gosh, this is so, that was so hard. I'm so worn out. 
I'm so tired. I'm so fatigued because of this season. And Jesus has this season, this kind of a season, with the devil himself in his ear for 40 days. Oh, and by the way, Jesus didn't eat anything. So he's physically depleted, emotionally depleted, fighting a spiritual battle in the desert by himself with the devil himself. That's a bad season. So Jesus comes out of the desert, rolls into Galilee, goes into the synagogue, picks up the scroll, reads Isaiah 61, the Spirit of God is upon me to fulfill the mission that God's called me to, drops the mic and everyone's like, I'll tell you what I would have done. I would have rolled into the synagogue, sat in the back seat and been like, man, I've had a rough season. Like, I need some comfort food. Anybody got any burgers? Pizza. Let's go get pizza right now. I mean, this has been rough. I don't want to do that. I am physically depleted. And yet Jesus, he models something beautiful. And the reason for that is because his emotions and his thoughts we're in a line with heaven. And when I tell you that your desires are a byproduct, I'm telling you the truth. Your desires are a byproduct of your emotions and your thinking. If you align your emotions every morning with heaven and believe and receive as, as a feeling and an emotion that God delights in me, and then you renew your mind with the word, you renew your mind with God thinking, then the byproduct's gonna be, come on, like, let's... Let's serve Jesus together. I mean, maybe it's not going to be get up early in the morning and, and, and seek God for hours and read your Bible. Those are disciplines. But overall, from your, what your life is about, I promise you, you will not be stuck. You will not feel depleted. You will not feel defeated. In fact, your desire is going to be, come on, let's go get into the house of the Lord. Let's go be with his people. Let's go read his word. Let's go live the life that God's called us to live because that's who God's created us to be. And I've talked to so many people that are trying to, that are, that are trying to generate those desires. And I can tell you this for me. The greatest sign that I'm healthy on the inside is my desire to serve the Lord. It's not the other way around. If, if my house, my soul is healthy, I'm walking in the joy of the Lord. I'm walking in his peace. I'm walking in his goodness. Then the byproduct is that I love serving the Lord. I love giving generously. I love, love blessing people. I love going to heart of compassion. And like, is there, is there times, like on Wednesday night, sometimes I'm like, oh, I don't know if I want to go to small group today, right? Because it's just, it's just tired. I'm tired. Anybody with me? It's, you're just sometimes like, I'm tired. But can I tell you, once I'm there, I'm like, this is amazing. What was I thinking? Right? So I'm not saying that you don't have those thoughts. But in general, our life, is about the things of heaven when we do the work to say, my emotions and my thoughts are in line with heaven. And I want to end with a story. Um, about 10 years ago, I lived in Washington. we lived in Washington, and we were down here. I've told this story before, but it's been a while. Uh, we were down in, here on a missions trip in uh, like kind of the southern U.S. We did a little tour. And we landed in San Diego, and, and we spent like a couple of days on a retreat. And uh, 
me being San Diego boy, because I grew up here, I felt like I was kind of like the tour guide for these, you know, young people, these students. There was like 20, 20 somethings. And so we were staying in a hotel in La Jolla, and I'm like, hey, I'd love to take you guys kayaking. Now, there's all kinds of like kayaking tours that you can take, and they cost a lot of money, and you have to like, you can only go where they take you. If you've ever been to a kayaking tour in, in, in La Jolla, La Jolla is an amazing place to go kayaking. Um, and so I'm like, you know what, let's just rent a kayak by ourselves and I'll be the tour guide because I know where to go and what to do. And so um, we go to the kayaking place, we rent, there's like six of us, we rent the kayaks and, uh, and the guy's like, are you sure that you don't need a tour guide? And I'm like, no, it's fine, I'm, I grew up here, it's fine, I grew up in Poway, I know kayaking. And they're like, okay, well, do you want some helmets? Like, you don't need helmets. It's La Jolla. No, we don't need helmets. You're fine. And, and, and my crew is like, are you sure we don't need a tour guide? I'm like, I'm the tour guide. Come on. San Diego boy, let's go. So we get the kayaks, drag them to the water, get in. Beautiful day. Like, basically no waves. Incredible. We do that. If you're at La Jolla, you kind of go around the left where the cliffs are. We have this, like, beautiful little tour that I was leading. It was incredible. And then on our way back, where there's this one spot that I'm going to save you from if you ever go kayaking in La Jolla that you got to watch out for because there's these like rogue waves that can sweep through every once in a while. And so we're coming back and all of a sudden I see like way out in the distance these like mounds coming. And so I'm like looking and I'm thinking to myself, we're too close to the shore. (laughs) So I literally turn our kayak and I start screaming, right? Telling our crew to paddle straight towards the waves. Otherwise, we're going to get, we're going to get pummeled. So, and I'm in a kayak with some, like, like one other person, and I'm screaming at this person, paddle, paddle, this other kayak, paddle. Well, unfortunately, two of the, there was four kayaks, two of the kayaks, they didn't really take me serious, and they were just kind of like, and they were like lovebirds, and they had like this little romance going. And so they were just kind of taking in the scenery and having this moment. And I kept going like, paddle, right? And they just, they didn't see the waves. They didn't really take me serious. And so they really didn't do anything. Whereas the two kayaks, we barely made it up this rogue wave. I mean, it was huge. It's probably like 10-foot wave. Comes in, we barely make it over. And then we look back, and all of a sudden, there's these two other kayaks They're coming, like, looking up from their romantic moment, and just as the wave, like, literally crashes right on top of their kayak, the the, uh, ski-doo had to come out and rescue them. Their kayak, like, washed into the rocks. It was amazing. (laughs) True story. True story. The picture that I want to give us is... The Holy Spirit, he's leading you. And listen, I wish my message was about, hey, it's always going to be smooth sailing and there will never be any waves. That's not the case for my life. I know it's not the case for yours. And I don't know if you're going to hit a wave tomorrow or the next day. I hit a wave starting in 2022. Like a friggin' giant wave. 
So what will you do? And I'm here to tell you that you have a tour guide. And he's a great guide. Way better than me. And he's always with you. You don't have to wait to get to church to hear from your tour guide. Because I'm not it. The Holy Spirit's with you. And he's going to take you to the cool spots. And he's going to give you an incredible time. And then when the waves are coming, he knows. And he knows which way to paddle. And he knows how hard you need to paddle. And if you listen to him, then you'll be able to navigate the waves. I'm not saying that there won't be waves. And I'm not saying that you won't get wet. I am saying that he'll never let you get knocked off your kayak. The, the lifeguard will never have to come rescue you because you'll be safe and secure because you can walk into every environment and say, you know what? Today, my house will be a place of joy. My house will be a place of security. My house will be a place of delight. God delights in me. I ain't looking for that in other places. I don't need to numb my emotions. I can walk with a sense of confidence. I can walk with a sense of security because the Holy Spirit's leading me today. And so when the waves come, he's going to help navigate whatever needs navigating. But today, as for me and my house, we are secure and settled into our soul. But I'll tell you, it's a daily choice. Today, I'm going to choose to let the Holy Spirit lead my life. I'm going to choose to let the Holy Spirit guide my life. And every day will be an adventure. Every day will be like, let's get back on the kayak. Come on, let's go out for an adventure. Let's go serve Jesus. Let's go do it together. And some days it's hard and some days you'll be tired. But at the end of the day, you're filled with a sense of satisfaction and security that God is leading you. Your desires are a byproduct of the health of your soul. Father God, I thank you that today you have given us the ability to walk in health, to walk in security, to walk in wholeness. And so Holy Spirit, we just welcome you right now. Some of us are just being reminded again that, that we have a guide. Some of us maybe are introduced for this, to this for the very first time. Like, wow, I didn't know I had a guide. I kind of felt like I was on my kayak by myself. And man, I've been hit by a few waves and it hurts and it's hard. And my life has been a roller coaster. So Holy Spirit, we just invite you right now to come tomorrow morning. I stand, Lord, just declaring over Heart Church that tomorrow morning when we wake up, we're going to be inviting you, Holy Spirit, to lead our life. We're going to settle our, our, our feelings and emotions with the delight of heaven. We're going to step into our thought life and we're going to say, Holy Spirit, lead my thoughts. May I not be deceived and dissuaded by the enemy's tactics, who's constantly telling me I'm not worthy, constantly leading me astray with fear and anxiety. I don't, I don't give in to that. My house is a place of security, of peace, of joy. And finally, my desires. I thank you that Jesus, you modeled something for me that I don't have to be, I don't have to be defined by a difficult past. 
I don't have to be defined by a difficult season, but today I'm free to look onward and upward to the things you have for me. And I thank you for that in Jesus' name. Amen, amen and amen. God bless you.